What is up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to Just Talking with Steph Iliff. I am so excited for this podcast and to be bringing it to you every single week to be just talking about all the things that life has to offer us, right? I'm hoping that I can bring you some insights, some laughter, some amazing interviews with some awesome powerhouses who have let go of fear, who have totally stepped into themselves, who are living their best life so you can learn from them. I want to be talking to you every single week as well about different things that are going on in my life as a self-love coach, as a mom, as a woman, as someone who is dating and like the whole dating scene and how it's so important that we date with self-love so we don't ruin our own self-love, how to create, you know, amazing habits that truly stick with you for a lifetime so you become your best self, so you can become your inner powerhouse and how to just let go of fear and fully step into you. So every week I'm going to be bringing you different topics that align with that, different interviews with different amazing people. And we're just going to be talking about it and having the best time. So thank you so much for joining in to Just Talking with Steph Island. What is up, you guys? I'm so excited for Just Talking today. Today I have for you this beautiful guest, Jake Coker Hans, Coker Hans, Coker Hans, however you want to say it. Like he just has an awesome last name. And he's on here today. And today we're going to talk about coaching. We're going to talk about mindset. We're going to talk about fitness and food and self-love, all the things wrapped up in one. And I love talking to a guy about this to understand like what their mindset is, what their coaching philosophy is, and how they can help have an impact with that. And you guys don't follow Jake. I'll make sure I link everything up. So I want y'all to be able to follow him. And this is the whole reason I reached out to him and wanted him on my podcast is I absolutely love his content. I love his mindset. And I love that he talks about how to move your body, but also how to love your body, how to love your mindset, how to transform your thoughts. And he always asks like a really good question in his post. And I think that's what truly makes a brilliant coach and someone that you want to surround yourself with and that you want to engage with is someone who asks you really good questions that help you shift the way that you think. And that is the ultimate best coach, the best leader, the best CEOs, the best friends you want to have in your life are people who ask you hard questions that make you think and make you ask yourself, like, what is my truth for you? So Jake, thanks for doing that. And thanks for being on. I'm so excited. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yes, of course. So talk to me a little bit about what got you into coaching and what your coaching philosophy is. Yeah. So I started, I mean, I've been on and off personal training, I'd say for like the past seven years, but started coaching full-time a couple of years ago. And I would say my fitness journey in general began similar to many young guys out there, you know, in high school working out because we wanted more attention from girls or whatever we wanted to look good we wanted well, to feel more confident out. guys work out just of course yeah i'm real and honest on here I like but it. uh you know it's it's very like vanity focused goals that most people have when they generally begin their fitness journey i don't think a lot of people especially at a young age you know in high school they start working out they're like you know what i just want to i just want to have optimal health into my older years and maybe you know i want to eat in a way to preserve my memory like people just don't think about it like no you want to look good with your shirt off like point blank yeah and so i got into it and started diving into bodybuilding.com and i was on the supplement train you know taking it literally every single supplement that you could possibly find to to better your physique and just trying everything that i could to to really progress myself in that way and so i would say naturally after high school, as I continued to, to get more into the sport of bodybuilding, I was, I was kind of attracted to the idea of getting on stage and competing yeah. and really being able to, to see how far I could take my physique. And so 
I actually had about a three year stint where I was competing in men's physique. And that was really during that, it was during that time where honestly, I had some of the, the more difficult and challenging moments in my fitness journey. And um, it's definitely not to say that competing was like a negative experience as a whole. In fact, I'm very grateful for it. And I still love the, the sport of bodybuilding. I think it's uh, a really cool art form. But I do believe that if you don't have a lot of self-awareness or you go into the competition atmosphere unprepared, then it can lead you down a path that maybe you aren't ready for. I would say the first mistake that that. I made because I think so many people, yeah, absolutely. I'm even like a self love coach. Right. And when I went through my first competition, I was like, Oh, I'm so prepared for this. Like my mindset is gold. Like I won't be worried about anything. And it like, you still go through like this mental shift because you have so many hormonal changes, but also your body's changing so much. And then you are like, you're literally comparing your body against other people. Like that's part of like the sport. And so this, this mm-hmm. internal dialogue has to be so sound of what's going on in here. Else you will literally like lose your shit and you'll go fucking crazy after. And like, and so I would love if you would share like your experience in that, like, especially on a male side of that and like what that looked like for you, like what was some of the internal dialogue that you're saying, like helped shape you through that process. Yeah. I mean, exactly. You, you hit a lot of those things on the head of, of what I personally experienced, but my first time competing, I would say I went into it kind of blind. I didn't hire a coach, try to do things on my own. Didn't really have much understanding of nutrition or how to do it properly. So my whole idea of leaning out was literally like high protein, no carbs, no fats, and just tons of cardio and all this stuff. And so definitely throughout that first 12 week process, lost a ton of muscle, completely eliminated my libido had no energy, felt cranky, all this stuff that many competitors experience when they go throughout that process. Uh, But I also was like, I was very committed. I was very dedicated. And this is one of the things that I think throws a lot of people off because you hear, when you hear competitors talk about going through prep, it's almost like a badge of honor of like how much you suffered during prep. You kind of have this (laughs) martyr. Like I did three hours of cardio a day. They're like, oh my God, yes. Yeah, it's like, I haven't had a carb since like eight weeks out, you know? And so it's, it's this thing where people... It's like kind of like a masochistic martyr mentality and you kind of bond in that way. Like, Oh man, yeah. Fasted cardio every day. And it's, and to be fair, it does require competing at a high level does, does require a certain amount of obsession with what you're doing in order for you to be successful or actually potentially win, you know, whatever show that you're doing. And so I was ready for it. I had committed. I, I knew that going in. I was like, look, I'm prepared. I'm, I'm dedicated. I'm not going to cheat. I'm not going to miss a workout. And so I went through that process with a very restrictive mentality. Probably would have been a lot more enjoyable had I known how to actually diet in a healthy way. So I, I had all these red flags coming up. Like I had no energy. I was tired. I was cranky. I was losing strength. I was losing muscle. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, this is just what it takes. Like, do you have what it takes? Yes, I do. Well, I'm going to keep pushing through. And so ended up getting to my first show and doing completely terrible because obviously I lost all this muscle. I just, it was so bad. And, um, I, after that show, I had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. So I was like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really focus in. I'm going to learn this stuff. And that's when I started learning about a lot, a, a lot more about nutrition, but I was still subscribing to a lot of the ideas that you would hear about like, okay, now I got to build some muscle. So how do I do that? Oh, 
dirty bulk, dirty bulk. So I had like this goal and this idea of a specific weight that I wanted to hit. And for the next four to six months, it was like complete swing in the opposite direction from being totally restrictive to now I'm like completely void of anything that had nutritional value because it's like, like, why would I eat a vegetable if that's, why would I waste food that I could be eating if that's like zero calories? There's no point. So I'm putting down tons of processed food. It's making these gnarly weight gainer shakes and doing everything that I could just like eating burgers and pizza and all this stuff to try and build muscle. And it worked like I gained a lot of weight, but I also at the same time felt not so good in that direction right. either. Cause now right. I, I'm not eating anything nutritious. I feel lethargic and slow. And, and it wasn't until the next time that I decided to compete again, where I could like reel it back in and be like, all right, I'm back on prep. And it's like, it was like this back and forth swinging from one extreme to the other. And I mean, granted, I, I did well, my, my second two show first place in my class and both of those, but I was starting to find in between shows. I was like, dude, I'm kind of like losing a grasp of like my self-control and my willpower around food. Mm-hmm. It was either like totally restrictive where I can't cheat, can't have anything. If I go out with friends, if I'm in a social setting and I don't have my food containers prepared and ready, then I would get anxious and I would get like, I would get kind of cranky. Like, Hey, when are we going to go? Like I got to eat my meal, you know, yeah. and nobody wanted to be around me. And if I yeah. did have something then I'd get super guilty yeah. and I had all these emotions around food. And then as soon as I hopped off stage, it was like, not a care in the world, gorge. And, and you know, the bodybuilding community kind of fosters that type of mindset. You know, when you, it, it's pretty common when you get off stage from a show, generally greeted by a group of friends with boxes of donuts and cookies. And it's just like, it's this fun little celebratory thing. But to me, it, 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 creates a mindset where you start to idolize and worship these type of foods. Yeah. So well, it's almost, it almost about that more. Cause it's like, I, I, so I used to struggle with binge eating so bad. I've had major food addictions. And so for me doing a show was for me to like learn how to have self-control with food and not have yes. it such an emotional trigger for me. And through that, yeah. I started to find like, Oh my God, like I turned to food for excitement, for pleasure, for pain, for every, for stress, for overwhelm, like for every emotion. And I really think that food is like such a big addiction that we don't like talk about as an actual addiction, but it is that like, just like any other drug, like crack, cocaine, like alcohol, whatever, but it's just like, it's everywhere and it's in every social setting and it's legal and like, you have to eat it. And so people really struggle with it. And like, I love that you're talking about this, like wrapping your mindset around it. Cause I think that's so key for people to understand, like you can't go from one extreme to the other. It's finding like finding a lifestyle so that way it doesn't right. dictate your entire life, you know? A hundred percent. And and that's why I, I always look back on this and I'm very grateful that I went through these experiences, although it was very challenging for me mentally at the time. It's ultimately what's allowed me to shape the message and the way that I coach clients at, at this point in my life. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it was very difficult for me. It was either, it was a complete on the wagon, off the wagon mentality. It was totally restrictive where I would get anxiety and stressed out, or it was complete off where I was like, Hey, I deserve this. Uh, I, I work so hard for this. Plus I don't have anything that I need to necessarily get ready for. So it's just gorge and put a lot of like hedonistic value on this food. So I'm just eating it because it tastes good and, and all of that. And when I stopped competing, I realized that I was like, man, I need to like, I need to find balance. I can't keep, if I'm not, I'm not going to compete forever. 
And if that's the only thing that's reeling me back in and allowing me to find that balance, then I'm screwed. Like, and it was so, it was a, it was difficult for me because even before competing, I didn't really struggle with that as much. So I'm like, okay, how do I get back to where I was? Yeah. I need, I need to start to change the relationships that I've created with food over this period of time. Mm. And the way that I was able to do that was by starting to associate all of these other ways that food affects the quality of my life on a daily basis. Okay. So before I, yeah, where I, I, I was looking at food or something, sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I was saying before when I to find that, because I think, I don't think people even understand like the relationship they actually have with food. So like if we can break that down as simple as possible, cause I like, even some people don't even know like, Oh, if I eat this, I feel gassy or bloated because they have, they're not even so in tune with what their body right. is doing, you know? Yeah. I mean, the, the reality is, and this was, was me to a T for those few years that I was competing, the only ways that I would look at food were either by the way that it tasted or just like calories, like would it help me lose weight or whatever? And most people, when they think about food and what, what they want to eat and, and as they go about their day, how they determine what foods they're going to be incorporating is like, what, what sounds like it would taste good. Hey, what do you want for dinner? I don't know what sounds good, you know? And so people are only focusing really on just taste. And when that's your only focus, when that's the only information that you have to process, then it's, it's very difficult for you to ever feel inclined to want to enjoy something that has more nutritional value because I'd be hard pressed to find a person who wants to eat like a, a bowl of vegetables with some organic chicken over like a piece of pizza or, or a burger or something, something that tastes a little bit better in that way. But it was when I started to pay attention to not just those things, but also like, how is this food affecting my energy levels? How does it affect my mood? How does it affect my digestion? Like you mentioned, like, am I, does it make me feel bloated? I started to make connections to how it was affecting my skin complexion, my uh, my sleep and my stress throughout the day. And just basically like how I, how I felt like my happiness and my mood and everything. And people don't realize that food manifests itself in so many ways beyond just like that two seconds of pleasure when you're chewing it and you, you swallow it like so much of your life and how you feel and like how you perceive things outside of yourself is dictated off of the way that you're fueling and nourishing this machine that you live in. So that's a big one. And then even taking it a step further, like, okay, when I start to recognize how certain foods make me feel, these foods make me feel tired and lethargic and kind of like, give me some brain fog. And this one helps me feel clear and energized. And and I feel like I'm in a better mood. Okay, well, how does that affect, affect the other important areas of your life from your work and your career? Like to me, being somebody who talks for a living, I, I'm on the phone with clients, I'm trying to share and articulate different ideas and concepts. I have to come up, like, I have to be very creative and come up yeah. with content. I have to be able to fluently like, express ideas in that way. And so when I started to notice, like, man, when I eat in this way, it's, I, I'm more creative, more ideas come to me. I'm just better. I'm a better coach. I'm just better with how I perform. And it ultimately yeah. leads to like, more success financially and in my career. So that was really big for me. So I'm like, okay, eating a particular way will actually help me 
be a better coach and be better at work. Right. But there's other things too, like thinking about how does it affect my relationships with my spouse, with my children, with my friends. When I'm eating in a way that makes me feel crappy or I feel like super bloated, like think about going out with friends on a Friday night and everybody's having a good time. You go to dinner and you eat something and it doesn't sit well in your stomach. And the rest of the night you're gassing, you're bloated and your stomach hurts and you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. You feel heavy. Like that's not a good time. And you're not able to like be the best version of yourself around those people. And that's just like one like acute example. But over time, if we're, if we're not eating in a way that, that nourishes us, then we could be diminishing uh, the, the quality of our relationships in our life. So when I started to think about that stuff, all of a sudden food became much more than just this thing that I ate, this, that, that tasted good. And all, all of a sudden I started to become more inclined to want to eat these healthier foods for no other reason, but I just wanted to feel good. Like I didn't care about how it made me look. I didn't care about my body or anything as, as much. I was just, I just wanted to feel good. I wanted to feel energized and happy and be able to jump out of bed in the morning. And so it's, it's obviously easier said than done. It's not something that you just do once and it's like, Oh, <laughs> change my relationship to food. But over time, if you can continue to pay attention and become more conscious of that, I think just being aware of it is the first step and just paying attention. That's why I encourage a lot of my clients to keep a food journal. And if you don't feel good, think back, like what food did you eat that maybe caused you to feel that way or vice versa? Like if you do feel really, if you have a day where you felt like amazing, like think about the things you incorporated. So over time you start to establish those mental associations and that is, is really the process that I think anybody could go through to change their relationship to food. That's huge. Well, I think it's just taking that self-assessment and that actual self-accountability and that self-awareness is that's the foundation in anything that you're trying to do. And if you want to make a change in your life, you're trying to save $10,000. You got to first assess like, okay, well, where's my money actually going? How do I, how much money do I have to save? What does that look like for me? Mm -hmm. I can determine that. So it's awareness in that same realm. Right. And so you're saying the same thing. And I hope you guys are picking up on that and hearing that is like, well, in order for me to decide like what actually works for me in my body is to start to assess like, what do I currently eat now? And be honest with yourself about that. And there's been times in the past where I had hired a coach and they'd be like, oh yeah, like do this food journal and be honest. And I would totally lie. I'm like, oh, I did not have like this baby Snickers or I didn't have like two bites of my kids. <laughs> but like all that counts, like you have to start to get honest with yourself and truthful with yourself. And this is also a fact, like a matter of self-love is that if you can start to get honest with yourself in one area of your life, you can then get honest with yourself in all areas of your life. And so one thing kind of going backwards a little bit, you were talking about in your first show, like what you found for you was like a commitment to yourself and that became like the win in that. Right. And I think that's the same thing. in, in so many things that we do in our life of what we think we're working towards, isn't the actual like win it's the baby steps of that process. And so it's like getting honest with yourself and learning like, oh, these are the foods I can't eat or hey, the win in this is I actually started to be accountable to what I ate. I started to actually take for account like how many calories I was actually eating a day or how much food or what food actually made me feel. And it's learning a new, a new tool of like, oh, how, what does food make me feel like? And then how does that show up in all my other relationships in life? Because you're saying like, how does that help you be a parent? How does that help you be a spouse? How does that help you be a friend? Like, and I love that you're putting that all that together. So I hope you guys are hearing that like, that how you do one thing is how you do all things in everything. So like this is showing up in that same form and this will only help you be more true to you and like love you. So I'd love for, from your perspective, like what do you find maybe in your own self and with your clients where their self-confidence starts to bloom throughout this process, even if they're not actually maybe losing the weight they originally wanted to, 
but why do you think that self-confidence starts to bloom during this process? Yeah, that's a really good question. And that's, you know, that's, that's another thing that I learned through competing and it's one of the things that I really like to work with my clients on is because you mentioned it a little bit, how competing is a subjective sport where you go on, you get on stage and you are being judged by other people's opinion of what your body looks like, how good your body is compared to other people. So it can be very easy for you to get into a headspace where you begin to place a lot of your self-worth and value on your physical appearance. Mm -hmm. And that again, like challenge number two of the dark, dark moments that I went through in my fitness journey was learning how to disassociate my self image from my body image. Mm -hmm. Because one thing that you have to learn and eventually come to terms with when you step away from that competing circuit is that living it, 5% body fat year round is not healthy and it's not sustainable and it sucks. And you don't feel good. It's yeah. not like, it's not a place that anybody would want to be, but something happens when you get to that place where you're like the, in the best shape you've ever been the most shredded mentally, you kind of set the bar up there yeah. and you feel that anything less than that, you, you're not measuring up. And that can be very challenging. It was for me to step away from that and to kind of transition back into like eight to 10, maybe 12% body fat in that healthier range for a male and see my abs start to fade a little bit and, and just get down on myself with my confidence and not feel as valued and just like be picking myself apart constantly. Just get in that trap of when you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror you get all, you start dissecting everything that you don't like or everything that used to be awesome. So you're all disappointed. And then you very quickly, you, all of a sudden your mind starts to resort to like, Oh man, I just need to get back to that. And that's where the extreme stuff comes in. That's where the yo-yoing comes in. And that's where you start to get to a point where you, you are seeking some external results, some physical results in order for you to feel whole in order to, for you to feel worthy of love or to be respected by other people. Yeah. And that's, that's something that so many people deal with. But one well, of the things that I always try to not, like, you could be trying to seek that worthiness and that like valuement and that achievement and anything that you're doing. It doesn't even have to be necessarily related to fitness. It could be where you are addicted to work and like, you're like, Oh, I'm not successful. And yes. I make $500,000 on time. The CEO, it could be your, about your Instagram and you think, Oh, I'm not successful unless I have a hundred thousand followers and 10,000 likes and blah, blah, blah. And like, and you're literally like putting this like success measurement upon something that isn't really even like what you truly want. Cause you're seeking this validation and worthiness of love yeah. and you have to ask yourself like, well, how can I just already receive that now? Like I already am that, like, how can I receive that? And yep. But yeah, keep going. Yeah, and also also through also through relationships, like your partner, through yeah. sex. Like so how many people oh like spend time like you're you're using sex as just the only connection I find that so often like yes. the dating world we live in that people won't have like a legit conversation and connect that way. So like, oh shit, that's so scary. But I could totally like people can totally connect sexually and then it becomes like that's the only form of connection that you know until you value your worth in a relationship basically on sex. And like and then that becomes the whole self love triangle of shenanigans too like how whatever you're putting your value of worth in and i love how you talked earlier like you said i had to separate my 
I'm not, I might paraphrase it wrong, but like your self-love compared to like self-image from your body image. Yes, thank you. Yes. I love that. So I think that's so important for people to separate. Like what are you, what images do you have to separate for yourself so you can really value yourself today like, and love you, you know? Yeah. Because the, the reality is this, we all are going to go through different stages. Like our body's going to go through different stages in our life. And, and I always try to really drive this home to women clients because it's like, look, if you at any point of your life have aspirations to have children or have a family, there's going to be a point where, you know, you got a big old belly and you're not looking at like bikini ready at the like, beach. Your body's just going to change and no one's going to tell you and your boobs are going to look disgusting and you're like going to grow hair places <laughs> and your butt is like not going to be cute. But it's like also so worth it. But I think for me, that was 1000% like where my like internal self dialogue like totally shifted to like the worst place of my life was after I had my first kid. Cause I gained a hundred pounds being pregnant. So I say sugar cookies and people are like, if you breastfeed, it just goes away. I'm like, fucking cool. I'm going to eat all the food. Like, I and lies. those are all lies. Like, it does not <laughs> stop. Like, and no one told me. And they're just like, oh, you'll learn like you're pregnant. Ah. Like, no, just, yeah. So like that for women, I think it's such a different dialogue and like women hold on to perfectionism. So we of our bodies and it's like, it's just a shit show. So yes, I totally agree. Yeah. Like, are, are you going to beat yourself up when you are in the process of doing one of the, the most beautiful things that a human being is capable of accomplishing, which is like creating another human being, yes. but the whole time you just like, you ha are hating on yourself. You have all this negative self-talk because you don't look like you did before you got pregnant. And so it's just, we need to learn how to cultivate more confidence, self-love, self-acceptance right now. Because if you don't do that right now from the very beginning, then you will get to the, the point where you cr accomplish all the goals you've set. You make all the money you want, you, you have the body you want, and you still feel, you, you still feel empty. You don't, you don't feel whole. And so really going back to the original question, which yeah, I'm sorry, sorry, I don't even remember at this point. It was something about self-love. Like how do, how do I help them cultivate and develop this? Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's first helping people become aware of these things. And once again, changing your associations to why you're doing what you're doing and focusing more, in my opinion, I think the, the, the best thing that you could really focus on at any point throughout your fitness journey is just like chasing health and chasing strength and performance and just feeling good every single day. And if those are your North stars, I always tell people your North stars should be your energy and your strength, because those are the two things that when you focus on those, you generally the actions that are required to continually progress in that way, they will come from more of a health and heart centered place. And when you focus on those things and just focus on feeling good and doing things like working out for the sake of doing it, because it eliminates stress in your life. And because because you just love the way it makes you feel, or maybe there's some type of social component and you eat in a way to do all the things that I'd mentioned previously, just help you feel better. Usually when you chase those things, the physical results come as a byproduct, And that's the kicker. When you chase health first and you chase feeling good and you do it in an optimal way, you will get everything that you want from a physical perspective. And you don't spend all this time obsessing over it and worrying and living in this place of lack and feeling impatient and, and like through the whole process. 
you're just loving it and you're doing these things because you love your body, you love yourself, and you just want to take care of yourself. And in doing so, you're in a much better state of mind. And it's like, it's like having your cake and eating it too. So that's, that's really the, the things that I like to, to teach my clients. I love that. I think that's so powerful and so amazing. And that helps any kind of client. Like you can help any person through that whole process. And through that, and you're also helping them reframe their mindset. And I think that's so key in this is that I think that's the benefit of really good coaches. Coaches realize it's all encompassing. Like you're not just focusing on just self-love. You're not focusing on just fitness. You're focusing on mindset and like lifestyle and the people in your life and the energy. I love that you said like your North Stars. I, think I love that. And I, I want you guys to ask yourself that. Where is that for you? And then it's just finding how to be true to that for you. It's like, what are some of the, the things that you do in your own practice for you to help you to have the mindset that you have? And then what are some of the like three tips that you give your clients to practice like mindset reframing, working that out? So I do, I've done this for myself and I'm at a point now where like, I've, I really feel like connected to a lot of these things that I'm going to share, but I have all my clients do these as practices. One is like a goal setting practice where we want to start to get emotionally connected to exactly why it is we have these goals that we've set for ourselves in our fitness journey. So let's take, okay, we got so-and-so who wants to lose 25 pounds. Uh, the first question you need to ask yourself is like, why is this goal important to me? Go a few layers deep on this because it's never just about the weight. And when you can really start to identify maybe pain that you're currently experiencing because you haven't made this change both physically and mentally, or, or pain that you could potentially experience by not making this change. And then you can start to get connected to like the ideal future. What, what would it be like if you were to actually accomplish this, uh, you know, how would the quality of your life improve? You can, it, this can be a very eye-opening exercise where people can then see, okay, what are the underlying motives? What am I really trying to get out of this? And why is this important to me? Like, like, why am I having such a hard time with this? And so that practice is very important, I think, for helping you to understand, gain more self-awareness of like where your motives are coming from, if they're pure, if you need to start to work on that stuff. But it also helps you to create more emotional connections and associations yeah, and I love to that. doing why, what you're doing. Why is the emotional connection so key, would you say? Like, what is it that that helps someone actually identify that helps them stick to it? Well, I think being emotionally connected to anything that you're trying to accomplish in life is like the most important. I mean, we, we are emotional based creatures. Everything that we do is, I would say 90% of the actions that we take, the decisions we make are subconscious and they're all based around beliefs about things that are going to make us feel good or, or trying to get us away from things that make us feel bad. And so understanding that even if you logically know that you need to be making these changes in your life, if you logically know that, that you need to quit smoking, or maybe you could cut back on the drinking a little bit, or you logically know that you should get more sleep, or you should be meditating or whatever, until we get uh, like emotionally embrace why that's important, and it all comes back to identifying, like connecting to how this is going to impact the other areas of our life. When we can do that, we can actually feel what it would feel like to live in that future. And we can yeah. also, we can it's also like kind of emotionally. Like I can do this. I can make this happen. Yeah. And, and look like even like emotionally sitting in that pain a little bit of like, ah, man, I really right now, I know that what I'm doing is not good for my health. And I know like if you have kids like, man, 
what type of example am I leaving for my children? Like, are they going to follow my footsteps? Do, do I want them to do the same things that I'm currently doing? Like, how do I feel energetically? Like, how is that affecting the quality of my life? Am I, am I leaving things on the table because I just haven't been able to follow through? Maybe you feel down because you lack, like, you don't trust yourself as much because you never follow through on these. Sitting in that pain, like, we don't always want to just live in that, but it can also be a thing to like emotionally know, like that's the, like the kick in the ass we need to propel ourselves towards the future that we see for, see for ourselves. Yes. And so I just think it's important to get connected because I mean, we know a lot of people who smoke two packs of cigarettes every single day. And if you were to go up to them on the street and ask them and say, Hey, do you think this is good, like a good thing that you're doing for yourself? They'll be like, no, like they know logically that it's not good, but why, why do they do it? Because they, they have an emotional connection to it. Similar to how people have emotional connections to food. Yes. We have these triggers. This food at one point helped to change our state. It was a comfort food because when we were stressed or angry or sad, we would turn to that and it made us feel better. And so we need to have ideal future and have our goal be stronger than our emotions of the past. And it has to be stronger of the emotional bonds that we have to the things that are keeping us from getting to that point in the first place, because logic alone isn't going to do it. And so that I think is just so it's, it's, it's so important to get in touch with like things, the emotional connections you have to the, to the destructive behaviors or the things that are preventing you from accomplishing what you want to accomplish. Um, and then also identifying stronger emotional triggers. So that way, like, you do this enough, you, you shouldn't have to feel like you force yourself to do stuff. You shouldn't have to be like a conscious effort to make this stuff happen. When you do these practices enough, you'll eventually get to a point where you feel compelled, like you're being pulled in that direction. You just do it. You don't even know why you're doing, but it's like, look, I want to go to the gym. I want to wake up early and I want to go to the gym and I want to make these changes for myself because emotionally I've embraced that and it's become part of my subconscious programming. So that's, well, yeah, so the program, that's the I love it. because then that's like when you legit are like rewired and it, it truly becomes who you are. And I think that's just the practice of it is in order to be an expert, I think it takes 10,000 hours in order for you to learn how to ride a bike. It took you however many tries it took you to ride a bike and we forget how often it, or how many times it takes us to actually learn something. And I think that's key in this, that you're just learning a new behavior. So then it is programmed into it. Like, this is just who I am. Like I just work out because it makes me feel good. And like, and you've changed that emotional trigger and you identified what you want to feel like and then what gives you that feeling and what doesn't. And that's the emotional awareness and emotional intelligence. And that only helps you in everything else that you do. And I think that's so powerful. So I love that you're like finding that connection and teaching that. And then the free Yes. Yeah. And then, I mean, I mean, I would say the second step, like I guess another actionable thing that people can, can begin doing is implementing what some type of mindfulness practice and then also some type of journaling practice into their day. Yeah. And I just recently shared on my Instagram talking about why I think there's so much value in the practice of meditation, even if it's just 10 to 20 minutes, because so often we can really like, we don't realize how much we identify with the thoughts that we're thinking. And if, if we're in a place where we always have these discouraging thoughts come into our mind, like talking bad about ourselves or saying like, Oh, like what makes you think you could do this? Just things, you know, that, that negative voice. And I think sometimes we, we start to think that, that that's us saying that. Mm -hmm. And then we start to doubt ourselves. But within meditation, I've found that it can be a really powerful tool for those that short period of time during the day to actually train your brain 
to one, disassociate with the emotional connection that you have to those thoughts coming into your mind, realizing that these are just thoughts that are floating in, but you don't have to entertain them. You can push them out and you can come back to focusing on your breathing or whatever it is your intent for the meditation. So what, like one side of the, the, the coin, it allows you to detach from all these negative and limiting beliefs and really learn how to focus and train your mind on changing the idea, like incorporating more ideas that are empowering into your brain. And then from that point, once you kind of have that clean slate where you're not becoming a victim of these thoughts that are just like bombarding your mind constantly, you have then given yourself the space to begin visualizing and imagining and, and emotionally embracing that ideal future, which yes. can create more belief in yourself of what's possible and basically helps you to feel, feel that self-love, that acceptance, that wholeness right then and there. And then to top that off with like a, a, a daily journaling practice, which I mean, I, I give scripts to all my clients, but it could be, you could literally type in self-love journal scripts or confidence journal scripts online. And there's so many and just picking two or three of those every single day and filling those out questions like, Hey, what would I say my greatest strengths and talents are? What are three non-physical things I absolutely love about myself? Like, what am I absolutely grateful for in my life? What am I proud of? What accomplished, what things have I done in my life that, I didn't feel confident with, but I followed through and now it's a very, it's an area I feel very confident in my life. Doing these things and reflecting on previous experiences can also be extremely powerful in helping to reaffirm your belief in yourself that, that you do have what it takes to accomplish this stuff and, and, and just ultimately cultivate more love and gratitude for everything that you've done and accomplished because we're always, we're always, we're always just looking at the things that we lack in and our weaknesses and our struggles and comparing ourselves to other people in that way. And we, we really often downplay our strengths and the things that we've done and the things that are amazing about us. And so it's just about changing, like changing what you choose to focus on each day totally. because everybody has things that they can feel grateful for and, and love about themselves. 100%. So tell me what are three things that you love about yourself? Uh, I think I'm pretty funny sometimes. <laughs> uh, I love that I'm a hard worker and I am a kind hearted person. I would say oh, I, I genuinely do want the best for people. So I love those aspects about myself. Well, I love, I see that. What in about you? Life. Well, we're sharing the love. Um, what do I love about me? I love my heart. Oh, yeah. like, I legit just love everybody no matter what. And it just, I love that about me. Um, I love my vibrancy. Like, I feel like I have like the best energy. I'm just like, boom, like just exciting. Like, I love that. Um, facts. And thanks. And I also think I'm pretty funny. So I feel like that's a good quality to have as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love it. All the Positive things. vibes on here today. Yes. Yeah. I love it. I just love it. Well, I just love all your tips. I love all your advice. I love your mindset. If anybody like has, this is just touched you like, oh my gosh, like I have to work with this guy. How could they reach out to you? What's the best way for them to get in contact with you? Yeah. So just to connect with me in general, I, I post tons of content videos and stuff um, like good, on Instagram. That's, like such that's good advice and such good tips and like such like valuable free content. So please go follow him. That's legit. I was just like, oh my God, this dude's so stellar. I want to be friends with him. And this is how this comes to life. And so just go follow. Joe. <laughs> Thank you. 
Thank you. Yeah. My Instagram is at Jake Cokerhands, just my first and last name, you know, and if you, if you guys are interested, I got a free Facebook group where we run like a monthly 30 day challenge where it's kind of like a Kickstarter program. I teach you how to like do all the goal setting stuff, the mindset stuff, set up like a baseline meal plan workouts. That's all totally free. And then obviously I, I coach for a living. I do like one-on-one very intensive coaching with all the clients that I work with, but I mean, either way, just to connect Instagram, that's the place to go. I love it. Well, thank you so much. I'll make sure I link that up. If you guys like this, make sure you subscribe, leave us a comment, tag us, share all the things. Make sure you go follow, follow Jake and thank you and have the best day ever. Woo. Thank you. Yes. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to Just Talking Today. I hope you got some value out of it. I hope you learned something. I hope you laughed. I hope you cried maybe a little bit if it's one of those kind of episodes. I just want to thank you so much for all your love and support and you just tuning in. It really means the world to me. If you would do me an extra solid and whatever platform you're using right now to listen to it, if you just go ahead and subscribe so that way you can always know when a new episode drops for you so you can be in the know. And also if you would just go ahead and leave me a little review, mark that star, whether it be the first star or the fifth star, whatever you're fill on that day and leave me a little review. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much again for all your love and support. Sending you all the love and light your way. Thanks again for tuning into Just Talking. Have the best day.